Welcome to season three of And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with the great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special events, or buy some of our merchandise, go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy And The Writer Is, please rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's songwriter, artist, genius has crafted multiple number one songs, been Grammy-nominated, and has virtually influenced every songwriting session in the business. I love it that she popped on the scene as a featured artist and has since won Hitmaker of the Year at the Billboard Women in Music Awards in addition to 2017 c Songwriter of the Year. She's one of those prodigies who wrote number one smashes like Boom Clap, Fancy, and Same Old Love before she could legally rent a car. Genuinely, there's not another female artist who collaborates better with other female artists than our guest today. And the writer is the brain behind my first number one pop song, Charlie XCX. Wow. Woo. What an intro. That was cool. Well, you know. Yeah, nice one. Um, and that's it for today. Cool. Okay, there let's you go. go. We can call it out. Um, no, you know, I am curious about this. You know, there, there really aren't a lot of... Um, there aren't a lot of artists, female artists, who are willing to have a bunch of other female artists on their albums. There tends to, historically, I feel like there's sort of like this isolationist vibe, or when there's a female artist, they tend to have a male feature, right. another male feature, another male feature. But um, is that on purpose? Um, I mean, I actually kind of disagree with that. Like, I feel like the the culture around that is really changing. Maybe it's only recently, but... I feel like I, definitely in my kind of peripheral vision, I feel like there's a lot of female artists who are like constantly collaborating with people and like want to at least. Um, I think, you know, I even like when I think about like big pop songs like Bang Bang and like when like Beyonce and Lady Gaga do like Telephone and like there was like the flip version of that song as well and like Rihanna Shakira together like 
Beyonce, Shakira. Like, I feel like that there are moments where it happens and I feel like more and more it's happening. Like, in my sort of scene of friends, like, we're always trying to jump on people's songs and stuff. But I do take your point. It's, like, rarer for it to be like a girl and a girl on like a big it's, top 40 it's also that it's prime and I'm just looking you know even just on the albums that you've put out yeah one of the things that's really exciting about it is not you promoting it but all the people you co-write right. with and that are featured on your albums mm-hmm. promote you because they all feel like you are kind of like the advocate for something Maybe, other than yeah. just songs like at least because I mean, people are always like I don't know I, I guess when I see them when I see not you posting stuff but other mm. people posting it they seem to look at you as somebody who is kind of maybe opening doors or at least not putting the usual gender stamp on people right. and I, I just think that's really that is progressive Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I really, I feel like there's such a huge part of like what I do is about collaboration. I th- and I really think I've only truly realized that in the past year, actually. Like, I mean, I've done a lot of collaborations in the past, but I think I've only recently sort of begun to play to my sort of strength as a curator. And I really enjoy it. Like, I, I really love working with new people. Like, I don't really have any interest in working with like the person who's got the number one at the moment because that's like the new hot shit or like it's I'm not immediately like gravitating towards that person for that reason like if they're a cool person then cool and I think a lot of people are like that but for me I'm I'm more excited about finding like new artists who have their own really unique voice even if only like a hundred people are listening to them at that point in time like I don't know I just I, I really enjoy building a community around what I do and building a world and having it be this kind of big like friend thing and I think that happens a lot in like songwriting you know like behind the scenes like there's always there's sometimes like days when you write a song with like three people and then sometimes days where you write a song randomly with eight people and you're like well what's going on but it's like fun and collaborative and and I think I want to do that kind of stuff with artists as well you know like I like it when there are lots of people there and I like that community and just basically creating this kind of like party vibe with everything that I do you know sure yeah when you know I want to go through some of the chronology but when you came on to the scene I feel like a lot of you know in quote pop artists were really clean recordings were really clean it was like an elevated um, almost Disney Nickelodeon like elevated into like we're now pop stars mm. not just specifically people who are signed to Disney and Hollywood not that it's the fact that it was so it was just clean it sounded clean and in a way pop was a bad word to um, I don't know sort of like it just wasn't cool and yeah. somehow this you're part of this crew of artists that are are like proudly pop and are still really cool. Do yeah. you consider yourself pop? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I love pop music and always have. Um and I think you know what I do definitely kind of explores different alleyways that lead to pop, but I definitely consider myself as pop and 
I don't know. I just think like, I think that I agree with you. There was definitely a time, probably about like 10, maybe five years ago, maybe somewhere seven, maybe 7.5 years ago, where pop was like super clean. It wasn't cool to be like, I'm pop. You know, it was like, I don't know. It was, I think it was because it was kind of like most of the big, especially female pop artists then were very much controlled kind of by, they were like marketed products you know and and I don't necessarily think that that's like a bad thing but I think it was like that was the way that you broke a female artist there was like a lot of strategy there was a lot of like people with opinions going into this sort of face of a product thing and I think like part of that really worked but then I think like as that model kind of fell apart and um you know, there's, there was space for women to really, like, have an opinion on the music that they make and the sound that they create and the way that they dress and, you know, pe- strong women coming forward with ideas about the way that they wanted their music to be. I think that's when pop really kind of, like, opened up, you know, like, with people like Lord and, like, myself maybe and, you know, and, like, even, like, later, I think with people like like Selena, like, really kind of like pushing like what she had been into this like much more kind of interesting like risky thing sort of a thing like I feel like pop kind of changed because women the the mold was broken you know it's like it was less about like the label creating a product and more about like the artist like saying whatever the fuck they wanted to say you know and I think I sort of begun releasing music around the time where that just began to happen um like I love it for example like that I remember when that song when I wrote that song and when we put it out like everyone was like so freaked out by that song everyone was like this is so aggressive for radio like what and I listen to it now and it's like not at all you know but at the time I think it was this this big like risk or or whatever well, explain the story behind that. I, I mean, you end up with, um, you know, this Iconopop song came out and it's featuring you. Yeah. There's a lot of you in it. <laughs> well, yeah. And so, and, and I like those girls a lot. I had, Same. you know, we, you know, been able to work with them, mm-hmm. you know, totally respect them. Also good curators and a good hang and all that. Yeah. But this really, that really was sort of the kind of the coming out party for, like you were saying, before that, it it was a little cleaner and that came out and every session was, we want this song. Dude, I know. It's every so session, and you must have gotten that. <laughs> yeah. And it, if if I'm getting that as a guy who's like ten years older than you, <laughs> then for sure you are getting it a ton, and you know we need more of that, right? Um, and you know lyrically, it's like it's the fact it's it's a good example. It reminds me of and we interviewed Jack Antonoff last year, and he was he's talking about how the chorus needs to be something that can be used for a lot of things, and the verse are where you tell the story, and you're talking about you know, driving off a bridge and then the chorus is as simple as I love it. Yeah. And it and then it's somehow it's used in a car commercial even <laughs> yeah. though you just talked about driving off yeah. a bridge. Yeah. You know, it really interesting how that lyric 
kind of became usable in yeah. every facet. But explain how that song was kind of written. Well, it's it's so crazy because I mean everything you just said, like about songwriting and like TV syncs, and I had no idea about that any of that stuff when I was writing this song. I mean, like well, I guess maybe even before you tell the story, to start from how you started writing songs then, because um, that really is your first hit. So, what takes you from being a kid to being yeah. the person who writes "I Love It"? So, I guess I started making music when I was. 14 I made some like really like embarrassing like I made some like embarrassing bad music and it's all on the internet for everyone to check out so please do at your free will. Are there videos that you put up? Um no, no videos. Um but the songs are there and there's probably some like live performances cuz I basically like I started um putting my music on MySpace and then this guy who was... As Charlie XCX? Yeah, as Charlie XCX. Where does the name come from? It was my MSN screen name. It's very lame. It was like... That's how you yeah. got your name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, so I good. know, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of glad it was just as simple as that because it could have been something way whack, you yeah. know? It could have been like really, really bad. But anyway, so I was basically recording all these demos. I had this like eight-track little mini desk and I would like play everything myself... I had this like Yamaha keyboard and I was like making beats. They were like really bad and out of time, but it kind of worked. It was very like bedroom DIY, like, but not in a way that that is now, you know? How old were you at the time? I was 14. Um, and I was putting all these songs online and the, the songs were called like, I want to be Darth Vader, Dinosaur Sex. I did like a Soldier Boy cover. It was like really like bizarre, weird stuff. What did your friends and family think? My So my friends were, they were kind of like confused, I think. And my family, like my, my parents have always been like super supportive of me, which has been really, really cool. And um, they were just like, okay, cool. She's like doing this, like great. Um, and I was putting these songs on MySpace and then this guy who was called Chaz Cool, he was a guy who ran a lot of like illegal raves in London and like warehouse parties and stuff. He hit me up on MySpace and was like, hey, like, do you want to come and play these raves? Like, your songs are really cool. And I was like, great, cool. Like, I'm going to go and play a rave in London like and I lived in Hertfordshire when I was growing up which is very like leafy green kind of nice countryside vibe like I'd never partied in London like my reference to partying in London was that tv show Skins you know that was like what in my head that's what it was right and like all these like scenes on MySpace that I would see like the Ed Banger crew like those like parties were like what I was kind of like looking at on the internet and stuff and kind of what my music was inspired by as well. So this guy asked, this like 30-something-year-old guy asked me to like come to London and like play a rave at four in the morning. And I just asked my parents thinking like, oh, fuck, this is like not going to go well. And they were like, yeah, let's go. Like, we'll take you. So they just like would drive me to London at the weekends and I would start performing at these raves at like literally like 4 a.m. Like the first one was in this derelict peanut factory that was like shut down um and there were loads of people dressed as zebras there it was like really bizarre like weird stuff right and so I did that for like a year and a half and um 
And your parents are just, are they standing with you while you're performing? No, they're like just at the back watching. Like my mum was really, my mum was like really like, like just kind of a bit nervous, I think, about the whole thing. And my dad was like loving it, you know? How are they that open-minded? Even just being a bit nervous while your 14-year-old daughter is singing in front of people dressed as zebras (laughs) at four in the morning. Seems like that would be hard to convince a parent to be like, no, drive me to this thing. This is a good idea. It's good for my career. I don't know. They, I mean... I can't say why they um, they were into it, but they they were, and they I'm, just got it. They just got it, kind of. I guess my my dad's like pretty creative, and when he was younger, was like you know doing stuff in like the art scene and was like running concert venues and stuff like that. Oh, so they're in, were they in music? Then? I mean, on a very like local level and my mom my mom was a nurse so she she wasn't um but I guess I don't know I just have to be like really thankful for them for that absolutely but so that's how I started I was like performing at these things I was like recording more demos I was like very inspired by yeah mainly Ed Banger by like Justice and Uffy and people like that and like I just wanted to make music because I thought it would make me cool. <laughs> like, because I was like a loser. And I was like, if I make music, I can be cool, you know? So Were you a loser? I was like kind of on the edge of like, I was just like a nerd. Like, I studied really hard. Like, I like I had to get good grades. Like, that was like a condition of like me being able to go and play these parties. Like, I had to... I had to like work really hard. I had to get good grades. Like I wasn't allowed to like go to sleepovers and like stay at people's houses. Like I wasn't allowed to like hang out in town after school. Like I was doing my homework and like, so I was kind of a nerd. I was like a nerd really. And I was also like learning to play piano and like whatever. I was, I was a nerd. Um, so music, I was like, if I do music, then I'll be cool. Did it work? Because <laughs> well, it kind of did, at least in those circles. That people, I mean, a bunch kinda. of people dress as I mean, zebras. Watch yelling, the yeah. watch the demos of you. You can listen to the demos yeah. online and tell me if you think Dinosaur Sex was a cool song. It yeah. wasn't, but I mean, I felt cool for a kinda while. Kind of like the concept, though. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like maybe we're extinct now. Or yeah, something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, our love has gone away. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but so that's how I started, and then. I got a, I got signed like I had these like labels and different managers come down to these raves at like 4 a.m. and would watch me play and I signed to Atlantic and that was like the week before I turned 16 and then um, From, that's Ed Howard your Ed current, Howard yeah did he come at four o'clock yeah in the yeah morning? Ed Howard um, was coming to the raves the first time he saw me was actually in a pub. Um, I was performing like upstairs on a bar stool, um, not at four. That was more like one or two. But yeah, he was there from the beginning, and he he really I don't know if he got it, but he knew that I was doing something kind of interesting, I suppose. And so yeah, I signed with them just before my sixteenth birthday, and then basically like spent two years. I was still in school. I was finishing my. We call them GCSEs, which I guess is like GEDs here. Or I don't know. Like it's when you're 16, the exams you take. Yeah. So I was like, I was, or was just done SATs them. Or SATs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just done them, and then I basically came to LA and started writing. Well, uh, how were you not the coolest kid in school when you have a record I just, deal? I mean, at, I a record deal at, at 16. 
I was like, I don't know, because I just felt like my friends were, they didn't ask me about it. Like, I didn't really talk about it. They didn't ask me about it. Like, none of my friends were coming to these raves with me at 4 a.m. because so they never saw were, it. They never, they were just like, oh, she just put a Soldier right. Boy cover on the internet. Like, cool. Like, and whatever, still, and they still think of you probably as like an eight year old. Yeah. You know but, what right, I mean? They like, right, think of you right. as like a fellow, like third grader, not as, you know, who yeah, grew up with them, not like right. a so rock star. I, I never really got that like sense of like, I'm the coolest person. Like, I was still like kind of lame but are you still trying to impress them no 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 but also like my friends like us with me now still like they yeah. were like twiggy in there it's like yeah. my like friend from when i was 11 and stuff she still doesn't think i'm shout cool. out twiggy shout out twiggy yeah um but uh, <laughs> um um but yeah so then sorry yeah so i came to la um and started doing the kind of like writing stuff you know like going to the studio every day with a different person, writing songs and just doing the circuit, I guess. Did you like it? Um, Because coming out, being that, being 16 introduced to a still probably primarily male world and older men and having, being in a new city and all that, that... must be somewhat yeah, un- I, it's unusual at best. I mean, know? I didn't not like it, you yeah. know. I think the thing that bothered me was I didn't feel free in LA. Like in London you can like drink and party when you're like a kid, you know. And here I mean, I didn't like look like older. I didn't know how to like dress up to like get, go out or get in anywhere. And I also didn't have any friends really here. So I just felt like I was like writing and like going home and I would like have an in and out and that was like my life for a while and it was fun and I was very like thankful to be there but I kind of just felt like I was like I want to fucking party and like have friends here and like be like in it more I felt like I was like dipping in you know and I think I was writing cool songs um but I think I was just writing songs that were you know anyone could have sung them it it just felt like kind of an exploration but I think I learned a lot during that time you know because I'd never really done real sessions before so I learned like about you know how to be in in the studio how to interact how to give people space to breathe um and you know just learn about just learn about stuff you don't even think about like like hip hop time I learn about like you know if you're doing a hip hop session like don't go on time like go like three hours late because no one's probably gonna show up for ages and I learned about like just like culture stuff that you wouldn't know if you weren't a songwriter you know um, so it was really valuable and, and really amazing and some of the songs I wrote there were really cool in those sessions were there any of those sessions where you in a way wish you could redo um, so I feel like there were sessions in the beginning of my career where I worked with some really big names where yeah. maybe I wasn't ready for it. And I mean, fortunately, there was, there was one. This is your story, not mine. But the first time I met Torin McKell, Stargate, mm-hmm. 
they I I went in to work with them and they put me into the other room at Westlake than the room they were in, and they just gave me a bunch of tracks. And I think I said this story a little bit on Mikel's, but you know they it was like Esther one, Esther two, Esther three because they were working a lot with Esther Dean. Yeah. And I just remember recording this one song, writing this one song that was really not very good. And I think Tor walked in and like peeked his head and then like walked out. And I was so fortunate that they didn't remember me <laughs> from that session because there's no way they'd ever ask me back. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like there was some no, those I, moments of like early on sessions yeah. where I'm just happy that like things worked out slowly. Yeah, because right. <laughs> you, I, I did. I mean, yeah, I did some really bad sessions. Like I'm sure at the beginning. I mean, we all have bad sessions, but. I don't think there was one. I don't know. There wasn't. There wasn't anything like really bad. I mean, I was just writing average songs. I sure. think you know. But then basically, the day before I was leaving LA, after like, I'm kind of jumping around now. Like I was like going back to school, like working, and then would come out. This is like from the period of me being like 16 to 18. This is me like coming to LA, writing blah, 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 and like going back and forth and stuff. And on one of those, and I was at the time, I was writing for my album, like um, my first album. So I wasn't even thinking about being a songwriter at all. I didn't even know that was a real job. I was just like, oh, I'm like an artist making my music, you know? So I was I was really trying to find my sound. And then I met this guy, Ariel Rexshide, um, who we, like, really clicked. And he had this song called Stay Away that he had kind of half-written and he played it to me and I just loved it and we finished it and then I had to, like, fly out the next day and go, like, back to school. And that was, like... The first, that was like the first song that I wrote for myself for like the Charlie XCX project and it felt he was like definitely somebody who was very different from all the other people I had been working with I'd been working with like a lot of like I've been working with like Kojak and like people in like that kind of a scene and Ariel you know was somebody who I guess at that time was like working on this girl Lights and had done like the Plain White Tees song and stuff. And he was sort of from a different space and we just really connected and clicked. And that was like the first Charlie XCX song, I suppose, that where I was like, oh, this is like my sound. And so we put that out and it was like cool and people liked it and I'd still love that song. And then I went to Sweden because Ed, my A&R, was like, Sweden is like a place where it's pop songs are written I didn't know that I was just like where's Sweden like I'd never even like been like I didn't even think you know at, the, at this point in time I wasn't really well versed in like ABBA and like Max Martin and like the whole that the whole like story of pop you know so I was just like cool I'm like going to Sweden great and I went with my boyfriend at the time and I had this session with this guy Patrick Berger and I, I don't know why, but for some reason I was just like, I'm really nervous. Like, I don't want to go. And I, this, it's kind of not usually like that for me, but I felt really anxious and I felt a bit like just worried about the session. Maybe because it was like I didn't really, I didn't know about him that much. I don't know. But I basically said to him, can you send me, just send me a couple of beats and I'll write some ideas in my hotel room. So he sent me this crazy like beat for what was I love it at the time and the 
track was super different. This is before um, Style of I did any like additional production on this song. So the beat was totally different. And I remember I just sat in my hotel room in bed and my boyfriend was there. And I recorded this idea into GarageBand on my computer. Honestly, in like 20 minutes and I didn't think I was like, this sucks. And I asked my boyfriend, I was like, is this cool? And he was like, mm, it's kind of lame. And I was like, <laughs> okay, cool, forget about it. Like, didn't think anything of it. Worked on this other beat for ages. And I was like, this is amazing. This is, I don't even know what that song was now. And then the next day I went to the studio and I'd emailed Patrick the demos. And he was like, this song is crazy. And I'm thinking like, oh, the other one that I spent ages on. And he's like, plays, I love it. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, like we should like cut this vocal like let's do it it's so good you know and I was so confused and I cut the vocal and and then I was like okay bye like it was weird like whatever and we got on really well and I really liked him and since then we worked really hard together like a lot of times but then a month later he was like oh like Icona Pop heard I love it and they love it I was like all right cool great like they should just sing it and so they just came and like put vocals over my vocals and I just didn't know I was just like cool I guess that song's gonna go out like I didn't know I didn't know anything about like you know leaving my vocals on a song I didn't know anything about like the possibility of a song being big I didn't know anything about money or like tv syncs or any I just didn't know and I sent the song to Ed and he was like you should sing this song I was like, I don't know, it's kind of lame, like, this isn't cool. And I'd made this whole album with Ariel that was, like, very different from I Love It, you know, it was nowhere near as, like, high octane. Or, and it just, it, to me, it just felt like, I was like, it doesn't fit, this feels wrong, it just feels wrong. And so I was just like, I don't really want to, I don't want to do it, like, it's weird, like, I don't want to do it. And so then the song came out and... I started hearing it around and I was like, wow, that sounds like me. Cool. Like they did a really good job. And then Ed was like, no, this like is you. <laughs> like you're in this song. Yeah. And then I was like, oh yeah. Like, I guess I just sort of said that was cool. Like I didn't know that there was a whole thing of like, I just didn't really know. So then my vocals are on the song and my label are like, you need a credit. I'm like, okay, cool. So we got a credit and then... It's just that whole time is such a blur because then everything really went crazy. Like the song started getting synced in like, I think the first thing was Girls, the TV show. And it was in this like scene where like Lena Dunham's getting fucked up on ecstasy. And it was like a really big like moment for the song and the film. And then from there it was on like Snooki and JWoww and like, uh, like some samsung thing i think and like just like any it was everywhere and then everywhere i was like whoa like and then people were like you're a songwriter and then everyone was like we want i love it again 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 and again and i was like i wrote this song in fucking 20 minutes and i there's there's no i didn't even know what the song was about like when i started seeing icona pop doing interviews about how it was about a breakup i was like Oh, I cool. I guess it is. Like I was just saying words. Like I had no. I wasn't like oh, like the verse should be like this, and then the chorus goes here, and I need a really universal phrase. I was just saying words. Like I had no idea like how to structure the song. Like nothing. 
So then all these people were like, we want this again. Like, can you like recreate this? And I was just like, no, I like do not even know how I made it. It was weird. Do you look back on that song and feel like it should have been yours? Or do you feel comfortable? I think, you know, I think at the time the song came out and was blowing up, I think I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit jealous, probably. Like, I was like 19 now and like no one gave a fuck about my album like that I just put out. You know, I think it got reviewed really well and was like critically like acclaimed or whatever, but like maybe like 10 people bought it. So, and then like I Love It was everywhere and was like doing this whole thing. So whilst in interviews, I think I was pretty much like, you know, it's fine. Like they just use my voice, like whatever, like maybe being a little bit of a bitch about it, but also being like, it's cool. I think, yeah, I was kind of like, damn, like, did I miss out on something here? Like, should I have kept it? Should I have listened to Ed? Like, you know, and I think there there was that question for sure. But I can honestly, like, look back now, now that I understand kind of the industry a little bit more, I think that me not being on that song really did sort of give me a path as a songwriter, which I might not have had had I been the face of that song because I wouldn't have been able to be in the studio. I would have had to be promoting the song. And also, like, I really do feel like there is this consistent doubt about whether, like, a female singing her own song, like, did she write it? Like, even if she did, there's always the, like, hmm, did she? Like, you know? So... I just feel like for me, Why like, I don't know. I literally don't know. It's really crazy. I mean, that's that's like the biggest, when people become writers and they realize that there are so many guys who don't write their songs. And like the biggest of the male artists don't write. Mm-hmm. And the biggest of the female artists Do, write. Do, they write. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. But so I can just look back on that, that now and... I feel really good about it because I think, you know, with even though like the your normal person walking down the street had no idea who I was or had any kind of connection with me in that song, like you might have known or like Stargate might have known and, you know, Stargate signed me because of that song. So I feel really, I feel really like happy with how it played out and I was really happy for the girls because they're like party animals and they like deserve to party to that song. So it felt good. I felt really happy with it. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So then boom, clap. 
two years later, Boom Clap comes mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. and it's it's part of a soundtrack. I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but I guess there's no way you assume that. As at least for me, I think like when a song comes out on a soundtrack, at that time there aren't like a ton of songs that are being that are climbing radio charts that are primarily from a soundtrack, right? Um, how, yeah, and that goes to number one on radio. Yeah. So here's the first journey where you're now the artist, right? Again, like it's funny, right? When you say it, because it's. I it's still I kind of still don't really like real I don't I think I don't take time to like sit back and be like wow that was cool you know we'll see so this is and a convenient so nice, hour so for thank you, you yeah <laughs> but um we should hang on more often we should yeah. we should but um that song again was like that was another song that Patrick and I wrote together and I was like, let's pitch this. Let's pitch this to Hilary Duff. I heard she's looking like she wants to do something kind of cool. Like, it'd be really cool. Like, let's like send it to her or whatever. And Patrick had like worked with Hilary Duff like years and years ago, like when she was like doing the Lizzie McGuire situation. So I was like, great, we've got an in. We can get it to her. Cool. And so he sent it to her team and they were like, no, like we're not into this. And I was like super sad. And then the song just sat around for ages and Ed again was like, hey, you should sing this song. This could be really good. And I was like, I don't know, Ed. I don't really want it. I don't think this song's cool. Like we shouldn't do this. And he was like, do you remember like the last time you said this to me? And I was like... Yeah, but this is different. This one like really isn't cool. I don't know, like whatever. <laughs> and then so the goal is to write a song with you where you're like, mm, yeah, no, not- but seriously, that's it. Like every <laughs> song, it's like it's that. That is the, like generally when I know it's like good is when I'm like, nah, I don't know. But um, yeah, so he was like, please, can you just stay on the song? There's the soundtrack, this movie, Fault in Our Stars, and. Like he was like read the book and so I, I got the book I read it and then I like went to see the um the the movie before it came out or whatever and like cried in the in the screening and they had my song in it I was like oh okay cool like this is like a thing like kids are like into this book and this is a whole thing I mean you're right I still I I had no idea that it, it would become such a huge moment. I mean, I just didn't think I was, I was just like, I'm not like going to get like a, I'm not like, a, I'm not going to get a number one. That's so weird. Like, I'm, I'm not that. I just didn't see myself as that kind of person ever. I think I just still saw myself as like, I don't know. I'm just like the loser. I'm just like a loser. I'm like, I don't see myself as like a pop star at that point. You Did know? that make you famous? Boom clap. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm famous. So do you get, get noticed now? Like when I'm in specific places, yes. But if I'm like walking around outside now, no, I don't. You know, so I don't really see myself as like a famous person. Really, I mean, you know, on the heels of that, fancy goes number one, and that's like a different level number one. Yes, yeah. That's a worldwide number one. That was like yeah. not not just. That changed uh, the whole dialogue of the music business again. I mean, like, I love it, did. Mm -hmm. And Fancy are two songs that are, like, career-defining kind of records. And you had them relatively early. I mean, Boom Clap, obviously a number one song. um, But there's no doubt that Fancy kind of hit a 
cord around the yeah, world that was like, totally. oh, this is a whole other thing. Were you famous then? <laughs> I, I just don't think I'm famous. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think... But Maybe did that make you about, a pop? Like, what did, I think what did, it made me, like, a pop star. But I also think the thing that, you know, the thing with Fancy was it made me a co-pilot. It kind of, like, it cemented me as this feature thing, you know? And I think that has been, like, I... <sighs> I read articles about myself because I'm cool like that. And, like, that's the thing that is, like, frequently said about me and my career. It's like, oh, Charlie, like, the co-writer, the the collaborator, the, like, the, the right-hand man, like, whatever, you know? And I think that fancy really, like, cemented me as that to, like, the general public and, like, then as to, like, the people in you know, the songwriting world, they, like, kind of understood it, that I had, like, written that chorus and, like, kind of had proved myself as a songwriter, whatever. I don't know. Like, what, like I love it. It wasn't, like, a fluke and neither was Boom Clap. It was, like, oh, like, she can actually do this. Um, but, yeah, I think it less... I was, like, the support act, you know? And I think that's been, like, a story that has kind of been on repeat throughout my career. And going back to what we were saying at the beginning... Like, I think now I've sort of realized how to harness that in a way that is very, like, unique to me in terms of, like, rather than calling it, like, a support act, calling it being, like, I'm the creator. Like, I'm putting people on. Like, I'm the person who's, like, introducing you to this person and this person and this person. And we make a load of records together and we make... I make, like, mixtapes and I do these shows where... I have like 15 artists come out all at once and like play and like you're never going to see that anywhere else unless you're at my show, like in like the Charlie XCX universe. So I think that whole fancy time, it kind of, I that's I think when I began to sort of realise the potential that I could have in that kind of a role. And I think that role is like valid maybe sometimes even more valid than other roles. Like, I, I, I'm into being an underdog and I'm into being this, like, mass collaborator, you know? So. I, I think that's, like, probably the best compliment you can give yourself in a way. <laughs> and, cool. you know, I, to be a collaborator in this business where everyone has an ego... Yeah. And to still be confident in coming in and, and knowing that you may do more of the work than the other writers or you might be your vocals might be all over it but you might not be the face of it or you might be the face of it mm, mm. but the idea of being open minded all the way into years past a song coming out yeah is really difficult for a lot of people it's like it's it's truly the um it's the holy grail of a co-writer is somebody right. who understands that that it doesn't have to be that if you make everyone else shine, you shine too. Yeah, that totally. if you bring the if you b- bring the community to you, that that's totally, and that's how I treat that's like how you every aspect of what I do. Like, because you know, it's more fun when you're doing stuff with other people. Like when I was promoting Boom Clap, it was fine, but when I was doing Fancy with Iggy, it was cool because we were like doing stuff together we were like performing shit together like 
and it was just suddenly like way more interesting and way more fun and we were like taking each other into these different spaces and jumping up on stage with each other and I don't know it just felt like so much more exciting and I think I feel like that in the studio I feel like that when I'm making my own music and I don't know I just I think about I think it takes me back to like when I was younger just starting to make music I was always really inspired by Ed Banger because when I looked at their MySpace it felt like everyone was at like a party together and it was this gang thing you know it's like this cool like party of people who were like working together and doing stuff and that's what I was inspired by I want I just think all along I've wanted to create that and you know I don't care if I'm not the face of it all the time like it's cool to like leave like nuggets of info like whether it's like your voice being on a song or like if I like co-write something or whatever but it's all about for me it's all about like the people that I am like the gang it's like this gang mentality thing in like a positive way you know well in this small gang once in 2014 (laughs) we were all at Westlake and there was this writing camp Mm -hmm. that was Stargate, Benny, Steve Mack, Amar uh, I think Dano, Yumi I don't know. I feel like there were other people there. Maybe Basker. I don't remember who else was there. But yeah. all I remember is that you were writing "Break the Rules" in one room, and then I think you left re- recording maybe vocals on that mm-hmm. to come into the other room and write "Same Old Love," mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I believe yeah. that's the same camp. Yeah. So within like a matter of a day, if not the same day, you end up writing your follow-up single, recording your follow-up single. With Steve in one room, (laughs) walking across the hall, literally walking in the room, and we write same old love that Mm -hmm. same day. Yeah. Do you know on a day like that that oh yeah that's gonna be my follow up song and that's that song's gonna be huge? (laughs) No, like never. I mean, it's funny with break the rules. I was like. I was like, oh God, I'm so embarrassed. This is this is like a shady thing for me to say, but I'm just gonna say it, okay? With break the rules, I was like a really stupid person's going to end up singing this song. Like I said that to someone and then I ended up singing it. <laughs> so like, I just didn't feel, I just felt like it was like one of those like crazy like songs that like people are going to hate, you know, like people are going to be like, oh, this is like so stressful, you know, and then like cut to like three months later, it's like my single and like I was speaking to Tim Blacksmith about it because he, he knew that I felt that way. Um about the song and he was like ha told you so whatever because that song like did really well in Europe and became actually something that I really loved and enjoyed playing and I think something that became really even though the perspective in that song is very young I think it kind of definitely like cemented a certain ethos that is around me like people always consider me as this kind of like oh it was cringy to say it myself but but we're really young yeah, no, no, no. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, I it wasn't, wasn't young. I don't know. I was like 20? 21. Yeah. Fine. That, well, how old is, I mean, like, <laughs> it's all relative, right? I no, mean, but I know, 21 but the, is really no, young. No, 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 it's young. It's young. But like the ly- lyrical content in that song is like, it's like about like, I think I say discotheque and like, go, you know, like going to, yeah, like, whatever. But you're it's doing not like with not middle, going to school. You're doing middle fingers. Right, totally. So totally, it doesn't totally. come across. No, it's cool. I've, I feel like I shaded the song so much now. I like the song. I yeah, like yeah. the song. But I, it was just, um, 
I can't even remember what I was talking about now, but whatever. That song happened. Can Wait. we talk about Same Old Yeah, Love? let's talk about it. It was okay. our thing. Yeah. So um, the track that we wrote it to, because we went in and just wrote to tracks. I actually don't even think, I don't think any of the other guys were in the room when we were writing most of it. Maybe they came in, Maybe. in and out. I think it was just you and me. And I, the track was all like major chords on guitar, like sounded more like Katy remember. Perry. I remember. I'll play it for you. Have you got, oh, you've got the demo. I have it. Cool. Well, I have like a like a voice note. Okay, it. okay. Because um, it's like me mumbling like a melody with you mumbling a melody next uh-huh. to me kind of thing. Uh-huh. Like trying to figure out what the next thing is. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating that you can go in and you write a song on a, you know this track that sounds like one thing and then yeah. later it becomes something different. But mm-hmm. I want to hear your perspective of what how Simo Love happened. You know, it's like... I don't really remember. I just remember you and me, we were sat on that sofa in the A room. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, because that's the first time we worked together. I remember you like went in and did like a vocal take on like the verses. And I was just like, oh my God, that's so cool. I could never write a verse (laughs) like that. And I just remember being like, wow, Ross is so musical. Because whenever I go in the vocal booth and like do stuff, I'm just like, I just shout, you know, whereas you have such like a sense of melody and like a map with the the melodies that you create. Whereas mine is generally just like pick a note and yell it for a while, you know, but think of it works. It works. That's like, it's like, and so it was, it was cool to have such. You know, I think we have like really different um, instincts when it comes to melody. And I think that song is like a perfect example of where that can really work. I remember like really, we like really worked the lyrics, I think. I think we mm-hmm. really, you're, I mean, you always do that. Like you're, I think you're really good at that. You really like push for like the best lyrics. Um, and I remember that being the case on that song. I think we like sat down on that sofa for a while and we really like picked out all the like the best parts that's a way is that how it happened have i it made could that be. Up? yeah yeah how I do think you remember it, was. it? No, i think that's right i mean i i remember when you, i think the exact opposite where like you go and you sing <laughs> you sing a chorus and um there's a lot of melody in rhythm mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if i have if my Achilles heel as a writer is is rhythm. I work really hard at making unique rhythms and it takes me a really long time. And you you just you can shout on one note and it sounds really musical. <laughs> and when you do something like, I'm so sick of that same old love, that's yeah. like right I, obviously the loves is faster. But the idea of that one note just doing that and just having that rhythm and the way that is is very much like uh uh is that's a hard thing to? It's hard for me to do and have it sound like a like a, a melody. Right. If I do that, it just doesn't come across the same. Right. Right. So right. it's like it's it's one of those things where I do think those two skill sets work. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Where if you can find, uh, if you can find that kind of relationship, I mm-hmm. think that really is strong. But I I do think about how because you know the producers on it. Are you're very close with, and um, so they sent you the the song, and you guys had a whole other dialogue. I yeah. that song for me, it was like I heard it that day, and then the next time I heard it, we were at a Gwen Stefani camp a year later, and I remember I saw you, and I was like, 
do you have a copy of that song? And you're like, oh, yeah, I think Big Pop Star is going to cut it or something like that. Wait, are we talk- which one are we talking about? The one who did cut it. Wait. The one who cut it before Selena. Can we not say who that is? I don't know, can we? Yeah, fuck it. Shit. Rihanna! No, but that was crazy because she like tweeted the name of the song and then I heard the version and I was like, whoa, this did you hear that version? I, I just heard it uh, maybe like a month ago. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, it's yeah. cool, it's cool. So that was cool and crazy and, and weird and stuff and then I guess that didn't happen and then I was like, oh, like the song's dead and then... Selena came in and killed it and that was really exciting. Do you is that another situation where you were like, oh, maybe I should have You kept know, that? you know it was. So I'm asking you, why not make that Well, I mean, it was it was funny because like I had never actually thought of that song for me ever. It was actually Tor from Stargate who sort of planted that seed because he sent me this I don't know if you ever had this version. He sent me this version with like a rap of Iggy's on it from her song Black Widow, which I don't think had come out yet, or maybe it just come out or something like that. Um, and I was like, wait, what? what is this? Iggy's doing a verse on this? I'm confused. And he was like, no, she's not, but it, she could. Like, this could be, like, a thing for you. And then he planted that seed in my head, and the Selena conversation was already kind of going, and I was like, should I, like, ask for this song? Like, And it became, like, a bit confusing and I was worried about it I didn't want to like damage any relationship I had with her and and then I just thought you know what like I think that Selena singing that song at that point in time in her life was gonna be so much more powerful than me singing it just because you know Selena obviously had had has that that huge very high profile relationship with Justin and I feel like at that point maybe they had broken up or like I don't really know but I don't know the personal ins and outs of it at all but it just suddenly felt like that song felt really real coming from her and like really emotional and something quite bold and important for her to say you know so um I think when I then sort of listened to her version again, I was like, oh, wow, this is like really cool if she does this. And if I do it, it's just, it's a cool song. But if she does it, it's like a song that maybe like a lot of young girls, guys can relate to about like being hurt in a relationship, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I didn't do it. And I, and I think that's the right decision. Yeah, I... I hope that the last couple songs we wrote are ones that you're like, these songs suck. And these songs I, suck. They're just not my vibe. <laughs> yeah. And that, because that's... That's a good sign, generally. It's a good sign. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's obviously a lot of songs that continue to come out. So, I'm going to jump to... I'm, I don't really want to... Like, the Camilla one is one thing, but to me, like, the song of last year that is like the most important one is Boys. Cool. I think that song is one of my favorite songs from last year. Mm-hmm. The video is genius. Thank you. How did that song come about? And why isn't that song played on the radio? Good question, Everywhere, Ross. all the time. That's a great question. Um, so, you know, I didn't write that song. I do know that. Okay, cool. Um, so that song was written by a lot of people. 
I feel like I meet people every other week who are like, I co-write on boys. I'm like, cool, there's another one. Come on in. Yeah, yeah. but I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to miss out a key person. So just sorry in advance, because there are a lot of people on that song. But I think predominantly that song was written by Cass Lowe, Emily Warren, um, and produced by a guy called Yerka, with, with a J. Um, who I cut the vocal with, but basically like Ed Howard, <laughs> the guy, um, he sent me the song and was like, what do you think of this song? And I remember I was on a promo tour in America, like driving around in a car, um, listening to this song on repeat. And I was just like, fuck, I have this really good idea for this video. Like this video should be loads of boys just being really sexy, things in a video like eye candy like joe jonas is gonna look hot charlie Pooh's gonna look hot stormzy like hot dudes doing things that either usually girls are often shown doing in videos like washing a car or like floating around in a paddling pool or like eating provocatively like i was just like this feels like a really cool thing you know and 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 I thought that the song was really good like I really loved the song and I think the coupling of the two together felt like really um special so I was I just said to Ed like I want to do the song like I I don't really have an ego about um singing songs I haven't written like I, I don't generally do it that much but I also have done it like with boys, a couple of songs on my album Sucker, one song on my latest mixtape. Like I, it's not, I don't really have like a, it doesn't bother me because I think that it takes just as much um, kind of charisma to write a song as it does to deliver it. And that's why I think um, there are so many incredible pop stars who maybe aren't as involved in the studio as others but they're still like so inspiring to me and like hugely valid because a song wouldn't mean as much if it wasn't coming from their mouth you know so I've never had an issue with like people who don't write their own songs and taking songs that have been written so I just felt really good about it and I felt like the video was really strong and and I directed the video myself and really like hustled on that video like we shot people at Coachella we shot people in LA and New York and Korea in London in Australia like it was a lot of stuff and we had I think like 58 dudes in that video it was crazy and there, I mean just massive stars and the whole th- I mean, it's so good yeah. I mean th- but this so you know but why it wasn't on the radio beats me I don't know there's I like politics. It's politics, I think. Do you know the politics? Well, I don't. Would... I mean, I don't know. Like, I want to be. I don't want to be like shady to the label, but I just think. I mean, I they. You know, they were talking about like the streaming numbers aren't where it should be, and you know, I think that's like a valid like uh, concern for them, obviously, because I think at that time, like Bodak Yellow was like going crazy and stuff and like I think when you compare it to something like that like I think the streaming numbers weren't there and they weren't like confident to take it to radio like just in case or whatever but then at the same time I was I was on tour with Halsey like playing that song in basically every state in America and not just in places like 
you know, LA and New York, but in, in less sort of like hub cities where like every single person knew the words to that song in the arena that we were playing in. So I was a bit confused and I just felt, I felt a bit like, wait, like what? Like also the video, like um, why would we not take this to radio? I don't know. I think that's like an area I still need to kind of like learn about a little bit more. Yeah, and this also just shows that as much control as any of us think we have. We don't. Like we just don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you you delivered you had you were egoless enough to be like, I like that song. I can do this with it. And then you showcase not only the writers because of doing that, but all of the 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 men that you have in the video mm-hmm. and the the people, you know, it, it's all about everybody and it's it really is like a pop gem, the whole process of it. Yeah. That, you know, if that doesn't work, it's it's not because of you. Yeah. I don't it know. Wasn't, it's confusing. It wasn't, yeah. it's, it's like a whole thing. But, it's confusing to me too. That's why I asked. But, um, yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, um, I think that also probably puts you in some rarefied air as far as people who are who are willing to cut outside songs who have also written hit songs mm-hmm. and not been... And not made it all about you on all fronts. Right. And to be open about that, that's that's part of the personality that will keep you in this game forever. Right. Because the person who walks away from that being like, yeah, yeah, I wrote Boys, and you start telling me a story about how you know it came to you while you were in an elevator and something <laughs> like that. Like you could easily do that right now, and mm. I'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. And then yeah. you know, there it is. That's. That's the story when you were talking about when right. people are like, oh, it's about a breakup that I had. Right, right, you know, right. That's right. not the story you told. Right. And I think that that gives you, continues to give you credibility in this process, which is admirable. So I'm just throwing that out there. Thanks. Usually I say that to the end, but <laughs> go fuck yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so here. Um, uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Before we end. Yeah. You're about to go on tour. I am. And it's, it's, it's a decent size tour. It's long and, and really a huge one, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, I'm opening for Taylor Swift. You Who's may, that? You, you oh, know, yeah, the you know, country girl. She's kind of, uh-huh. yeah, she's like uh-huh. left. She's like indie left, yeah, 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 you know, right? right. Um, yeah, so I'm opening for Taylor. I'm stoked. I mean, I think it's really cool, like, that she's doing a tour with me and Camila and um, I feel really excited about it and I feel really like her team have been very kind of, it feels like really weirdly chill and like open and again kind of like about like collaboration sort of thing. Like they're being really like generous and kind and it feels really good and um I mean, Camilla and I have written a lot together and I love writing with her. Like, I think she's an example of somebody who, you know, obviously is an artist who came from, like, an extremely, like, pop-formatted world. But I think she's a great songwriter. Like, I love writing with her and I want to write with her for my stuff, for other people's stuff. Like, I think she has, like, such a distinct language. Um, So hopefully, like, when we're on this tour, we can write some more things together that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I feel I'm excited about the tour. I'm excited. I'm going to put some new music out during it, hopefully. So that will also be fun. So it feels good. 
The last thing we're going to do is I got to do five people and you just tell me the first thing that comes off the top of your head. Okay. We'll call it five for five right now. Okay. <laughs> Still don't really have a title for it. No, five for five is good. It is? Yeah, yeah, really good. I'm so nervous. And that's like, that's literally like, you know, okay. All right, five for five. <laughs> okay. We'll call for that, for the, at least for this episode. Okay. Ed Howard. Legend, legend, tall, um, tall, he's tall, uh, and he is classy, he's a classy man with good taste and great posture. He's, he's wonderful. He is, he's, he's one of the really solid, good, well-respected A&Rs, I would say. Yeah, he has like a couple other artists that are doing okay too. Yeah. Uh, Ariel. <laughs> Ariel, um, he is, <sighs> Ariel's very special, uh, extremely talented songwriter. I would say that we, and producer, I say we're, we're so opposite. He is, likes to take his time. I like to like rush through things. He's like one of my oldest friends in LA. Uh, he really like opened this city up for me. So I will eternally love him. Iggy Azalea. Iggy Azalea. Um, I think somebody who is a very genuine person, somebody who had a really rough ride, and uh, I think somebody who deserves a lot of kindness now, you know? Um, So, yeah, and someone with a great ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stargate. You can include Tim and Danny in that. I know it's a lot of people in one, but we got to, you know. They're all bold. They're all bold. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They're all bold. Um, I think, yeah, Stargate, I mean, I love Tim and Danny. They're the ones, but I'll just talk about, like, the, like, original Stargates, the original Gateheads. Um, I, yeah, they're so great. I really admire them because they've obviously, like, I mean, I admire them. I think like sometimes they think I'm just kind of like trolling them the whole time because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always like being like mean to them or taking the piss out of them or something. But I actually, I'm so, they're like kind of inspirational to me because I think that there aren't many producers of their level who are so selfless and they really, they really put the time in and like, they really work so hard and they show up to the studio on time, whether you're the biggest artist in the world or a brand new artist. They listen to your opinion. They're so open. And I think, yeah, I just think that's rare. You know, I think they don't have egos. Like they're, they're, they're really, they really are there to like make music and they really care about music. And I think that's really cool. Sophie. Genius. Sophie is a genius and I'm so happy that you mentioned her because she's like, I think somebody who's really going to change the landscape of pop music over the next couple of years um, with the production that she does. I mean, it's so like aggressive and beautiful and extreme and I feel like now we're moving into a space in music where there's like room for that like not just in kind of like you know in like more like left sort of like 
underground world but in like pop like I think pop artists are willing to kind of take a risk with stuff and I know Sophie's been working with some really amazing like bigger people and I'm I just think Sophie's the future yeah what's advice you'd give an up-and-coming songwriter um be careful what you put on the internet and (laughs) um just, well, you might just have a cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, of Soldier Boy. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, like, I would say, you know, it's difficult. I would say, like, just do what the fuck you feel. Like, don't get bogged down by theory and, like, what people have done before and, like, reading books about, like, fucking Max Martin, even though he's a genius. Like, who cares? Like, create your own story and... um I think songs are so fluid now. Like, it's not about making a song with, like, verse, chorus, verse, like, middle eight, chorus, and it's it can be anything. So just do what you feel. Like, create your own language, I think. I wish we could keep going because there are so many things that I still <laughs> want to ask you because they're really, you know, it's... Um, uh, when I get a call to write with you, I'm always so stoked. In, because I know that art will come out of it, right? And that's I, that's very nice of you. Thanks. And that's like that's really hard in our world because you do go into a session and you have a little bit of a well, they're gonna want this and mm, this person mm-hmm. wants that, and how do you facilitate this and do? It's all there's a lot of pressure to create a song that they can that they being the powers that be can spend hundreds of thousands to promote and all this other stuff. And in reality, if you don't create a piece of art that day, they won't they won't have anything to do. Right. They, and, and you create art even when you're not trying. It's your whole brand is you're so aware of it and you're you're creating it from the brand from your Instagram to your album covers to curating your shows that you're doing with your artists. It's just you live it in a, such an authentic way, and if you still think you're not cool, <laughs> and I'm, I'm here constantly feeling like that's me also trying to be cool, and when I'm around you, I'm cooler. Oh, so thanks. thank you for doing this, <laughs> and thank you for every day that we've written together and that we will write together. I'm a fan. I'm proud of you, oh. and. Good luck on this tour. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golden. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.